0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: So we're like a custom sprayer um, that they may already deal with. So they give us a call, we show up on the farm, we deploy our robots and our machine learning technology, and we perform the service.
0: Good morning, listeners. November 29th, Tuesday, Ag News Daily Edition, brought to you by Mystic Rubricants. For a full look, at their line of lubricants, visit mysticlubes.com, M-Y-S-T-I-K, lubes.com. Tana Winterhoff, joined by Delaney Howell here on a, it's still dark out, Delaney. We're, must be pretty cloud covered.
2: Mm, it's not dark here in Florida, Tanner. so no complaints.
0: <laughs> I forgot you hadn't come back yet. So yes, you uh, you aren't experiencing the gloomy Tuesday morning.
2: No, I'm experiencing a nice sunny morning here, and I suppose I'll be digging back into the gloom and all that tomorrow, Tanner, when I hit back to Iowa.
0: Hopefully you don't have any travel issues, because the first thing I'm going to touch on is weather across the nation. It seems like there's been quite a bit going on lately. There's some winter weather expected for us, all the way from Colorado through Wisconsin. The warnings have been issued uh, for a long, narrow stretch from Western Colorado through Southern Nebraska all the way up to the Canadian border of Wisconsin. The National Weather Service is putting potential snowfall totals at eight inches in northern Wisconsin, central Minnesota. There is delays to travel to be expected; some areas may see as much as nine to eleven inches in Colorado. This is a band, like I said, that kind of covers quite a bit of an area. Winds may push up to 40 miles per hour, but that's not the biggest weather news, Delaney, that we're seeing. More than 40 million people are under the threat of a severe storm that's pushing through the south. The storm could produce tornadoes, hail, and damaging winds. There are people in this line from southeastern Texas east towards Georgia, then northward towards central Indiana and Illinois. They're the ones that are under the threat of this severe weather starting Tuesday. And the Storm Prediction Center says the largest potential for the most severe weather is about a million people in central Mississippi around the Jackson area, parts of east central Louisiana. In those areas, the threat for severe weather could be large hail and possible tornadoes at level four and five being five is, of course, the highest level of a tornado possible. The Prediction Center says the moderate threat for a level four and five is rare for this time of year in that region, but people there need to take cover and treat this storm like the serious threat that it is. So a couple of big storms brewing here across the nation, Delaney.
2: It sounds way, Tanner. And of course, a big storm is brewing as we still don't have an answer on The railroad agreement. But we did get news late yesterday afternoon, Monday afternoon, Tanner, that President Biden called officially on Congress to pass legislation immediately to adopt the tentative agreement between railroad workers and operators without any modification or delay to avert the potentially crippling rail shutdown. He said that this deal provides a historic 24 percent pay raise for rail workers it improved healthcare benefits and provides the ability of operating craft workers to take unscheduled leave for medical. And he said that this is a great deal and it's unlikely that another deal better than this one could be reached. He said that he believes there is no path to resolve the dispute at the bargaining table and has recommended that con- Congress seeks action immediately. He also went on to share, Tanner, that a rail shutdown would absolutely devastate the economy because so many industries rely on freight to move their goods. He said his economic advisors told him that as many as 765,000 Americans would be out of work within just the first two two weeks of a strike alone, Tanner. So definitely some big numbers there. I haven't fact-checked any of that, but uh, those words come directly from the White House. And late last evening, President Vilsack also released a statement echoing Biden's uh, words and also calling for support and asking Congress to step in. So the Congress has the power to prevent the shutdown and adopt the agreement And we'll see what happens here as it heads to the floor.
0: Yeah, I had read a lot of articles about that to try and wrap my head around it because I picked up on a couple of pieces that we may have been reporting improperly as far as that's concerned. So we know that the four largest rail unions that represent more than half of the industry are the ones that rejected the deals. And the other eight rail unions approved their five-year deals. So we were under the understanding that it was an all or nothing, which was true in the form of preventing a strike. But those eight rail unions that approved their five-year deals are already in the process of collecting those benefits that were negotiated. So the eight Mm. that accepted it are already collecting the back pay, that 24% raise, all the way back to 2020. So for that half of the industry, they are collecting the benefits from the accepted agreements already. It was the 100% participation that would stop the strike. So, even if they had accepted the contract, they're already taking a look to move things forward. So, I just want to make sure that was clear for our listeners as some of those workers, like you said, are already stepping into it, which also makes Congress's decision a little bit easier because already half of the industry has agreed to this. And in the eyes of free labor and negotiation, they would only be forcing roughly half of the industry to accept the terms and as we reported those votes were pretty close so it may be only a quarter of the industry that has opposition to the way the deal is structured today
2: got it yes i'm glad you added that in because i had not realized that either
0: let's take a little break here for a message from our sponsor before we get into my next story
3: since 1922 mystic lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K-lubes.com.
0: Well, Delaney overnight, Japan gave a final approval for their beef trade provision. So Japan's parliament gave that deal amending signature for a beef safeguard mechanism under the U.S.-Japan trade agreement. This was signed by our trade representative, Catherine Tide, last night. The change will reduce the probability that U.S. beef could hit could be hit with higher tariffs. So as far as that's concerned, that's positive for our beef producers. And on top of Naomi's comments yesterday about the demand still being high for that commodity, the updated safeguard will ensure our farmers and ranchers continue to have access to one of the largest and most dynamic beef markets. The protocol represents the foundational pillars of our bilateral trade agreement, and they are grateful to be working with the U.S. as part of their agreement. Delaney, I didn't realize it, but Japan is the second largest U.S. Mm -hmm. beef market totaling nearly $2.4 billion in 21, and it's expected to be higher in 22. So this was good news.
2: Yes, but one quick minor correction, Tanner. The agreement was actually signed late last week. It just now kind of hit the news wires, but it was signed ahead of the Thanksgiving break last week. Oh, great. Thank you for doing that. Yes, but I tell you what, uh, we also had some other international trade news as Secretary Vilsack sat down with President Andres Manuel Lopez Abrador on Monday to discuss genetically modified corn and Mexico's path to no GM corn by 2024. Uh, it sounds like they had a fairly good discussion overall, Tanner um, president. Lopez apparently was very open to understanding Vilsack's concerns for the U.S. and also just the path to actually getting to know GMO corn by 2024 is a tall order to fill. Um, But Vilsack said that he discussed a potential process in which we can exchange information, the U.S. can exchange information and engage in dialogue assuring the safety of biotechnology products, so maybe some continued research and R&D there to share with Mexico to show them why GM is in fact safe and helpful to use. He said they didn't come up with a solution necessarily at the meeting or at the close of the meeting, but they will continue to engage Mexico up until 2024 or something new happens. But he did say that the meetings do provide a venue to raise uh, the United States government concern and deep concern amongst producers and didn't necessarily threaten legal action exactly, Tanner, but he did say, Vilsack did say that we have to find a way forward and we have to do so uh, because absent acceptable resolution of the issue, the U.S. government would be forced to consider all options, including, he said, taking formal steps to enforce our legal rights under the U.S. MCA agreement. So he said they made it abundantly clear to Mexico that their import ban would cause massive economic losses for not only the U.S., but also Mexico's agricultural industries for their citizens as well as their uh, Mexican farmers who oftentimes plant GM corn. So, sounds like it was a pretty healthy discussion overall. But, like I said, we don't have a clear path forward yet, aside from sharing information and research with Mexico to maybe sway them to change their opinion.
0: Yeah, I had read quite a bit of that article. I wanted to send Sack an email here real quick to try and get some clarifications on a part of it. But is out of office kicked back? saying he was enjoying pina coladas and authentic Mexican food on the beach, and he'd return on Monday. But uh, unfortunately, no, it doesn't look like anything was achieved at that point in time. Typically on Tuesdays, we report on the USDA's weekly crop progress report, but that's been delayed to this afternoon's release. They stated there was a couple of service issues and system outages, so we will have that news for you tomorrow. So let's pause here one more time. For a message from our sponsor today
3: since 1922 mystic lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment today mystic continues to develop products in real world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines they provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticloops.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K loops.com.
0: Well, Delaney, the U.S. and Chinese militaries are, again, exchanging harsh words, which is obviously better than weapons and bombs. But Tuesday, the U.S. Navy warship performed a freedom of navigation appearance in the South China Sea. So the leader's Of the two powers met earlier this month, obviously both presidents and the Chinese military made a statement that said illegally entering our waters near the island of Mensha, if I pronounce that correctly, and the reefs without approval from our Chinese government is going to produce an issue. That moved China to push further into discussion saying that U.S. is producing a security risk in the South China Sea. And we will need to have this corrected. So this may create larger discussions, or at least the need for larger discussions between Biden and Z, and to clarify where items can be and cannot be done. So it was quite a public display. It was well-broadcasted, Delaney. It was not a secret mission. So it's interesting to see if we are trying to test the limits or if China is testing our limits. But I wanted to make sure I got that shared with our listeners today.
2: Well, Tanner, I've got another piece of Ukrainian news here late. Uh, Well, actually, the weekend, Ukrainian President Zelensky on Saturday welcomed top Western officials as he officially launched a new food initiatives program to export grain to Africa. Tanner, as we know, Ukraine was a really large exporter to a lot of African nations. And since the war has broken out, the... Um, African people definitely have had their challenges sourcing grain and other food stuffs. So Zelensky has now made it his mission, Tanner, and hosted prime ministers and the heads of state from Belgium, Lithuania, Poland, and Hungary in Kiev over the weekend to celebrate the 90th anniversary of Holodomor, which is the famine that Joseph Stalin's Soviet Union inflicted on Ukrainians. He took this time, Tanner, to publicly and officially launch a new initiative that he's calling Grain for Ukraine, which would band together international organizations, including the United Nations and other countries, and begin to figure out a way to provide grain for poorer countries in Africa. He said Ukraine alone would send up to 60 grain ships next year to those poorer countries in Africa. And that they're very excited to try to get things kind of back to normal here to some extent, but also to be able to provide that resource to some of those folks, Tanner, that just don't have access to some of those grains in Africa. So interesting here. Not sure if there's anything political behind it from what I'm reading. It is really just a humanitarian effort that they've decided to put forward, but you never know.
0: Right. It's kind of unique to see something like that happen in the middle of a war. So it is good to see. I'm interested to see what markets are doing. We know we talked yesterday a lot about crude and how it was down, but obviously China is working on getting their strikes under control for uh, COVID lockdowns. And we did get some news out of the OPEC, of course. uh, Naomi hinted at that of them reducing their capacity. So what do markets look like for us today?
2: Yeah, and Tanner, just a quick update there on that OPEC uh, that you mentioned there. We will see an OPEC meeting in Vienna on Sunday, December fourth, to discuss those potential production cuts. So we could have a confirmation on whether or not that's going to happen as early as next week. But in the overnights last night, didn't have too much excitement as December new crop corn traded just lower to close at six sixty seven and three quarters, which is where markets will open this morning. January soybeans will open at fourteen sixty one, up three and 3 quarter cents in the overnight. December hard red winter wheat will open this morning at $8.99 and a quarter. And livestock yesterday, of course, had a little bit of an ugly day, especially in the lean hog markets. December live cattle will open this morning at fifty two fifty seven. January feeders will open at $1.76. And tanner, December. Rolling Hogs will open this morning at 8060, but without further ado, let's kick it over to today's Tech Tuesday conversation with Verdant Robotics. Well, for today's hashtag Tech Tuesday conversation, we are chatting today with Curtis Garner, the chief commercial officer and co-founder of Verdant Robotics. Curtis, we are certainly excited to have you today because you guys have a big announcement that we're going to get to here in just a moment. But before we do that, Curtis, share a little bit of your background with our listeners. How did you get started in this industry and in robotics specifically?
1: Yeah, my biggest claim to fame was I was at Operations Manager for the world's largest processing tomato facility in the Central Valley of California. I ran harvesting and transplanting for roughly forty and fifty thousand acres uh, per year, kind of year of a year, and that was a lot of fun. I was a part of a lot of automation projects when I worked at that company, and one foot in front of the other led me to start speaking at ag tech conferences and kind of talking about automation. But from the farming perspective, I went to work for a twelve thousand acre diversified row crop farm in California as a business analyst, financial analyst, and. California changed some laws about minimum wage going up to 15 bucks, and ag overtime exemptions going away, which is going to roughly double the labor budget of the farm. And as your audience knows, farmers are price takers, not price makers. And so I really saw this as an existential crisis for the farmer and threw my hat in the ring and met Gabe Sibley, my uh, co-founder and Lawrence Ivarria, and to make verdant robotics the category king of ground-based autonomy in agriculture.
0: So for the listeners, let's dive into that. What is ground-based autonomy, what you just said? Could you explain that?
1: Yeah. So we use computer vision, so computer cameras, and machine learning to see objects of interest and then spray objects of interest. And that looks like organic weeding and carrots, garlic, onions, and leafy greens. Um, Or conversely, we could spray just the crop and not the ground or any weeds with, say, fertilizer. So we're using up to 96% less uh, materials to do uh, a better job.
2: That's really interesting how you got your start in this industry. But, Curtis, you mentioned there onions, a couple other vegetable crops. Are you specifically working only with vegetables?
1: We're currently focused on specialty row crops, but we do have plans in the future to look at the broadacre row crops like corn and soy uh, in the Midwest.
0: You had also mentioned that this was something that you felt was going to become exponentially important as labor costs continue to rise. You just mentioned. The cost savings on chemical application, but I presume with the title robotics, also means that this takes less bodies to run and operate as well, correct?
1: There's definitely labor efficiencies to be had. And so we work with a farmer and their given commodity to come up with pricing schemes that work for them and provide them ROI Day one, we can work with a five-acre grower just as well as we can work with a 5,000-acre grower. We do robotics as a service, so there's no capital expense that the farmer has to outlay. Uh, just like they would call their labor contractor to come and weed their field, they can call us and we'll come and do the job for them.
2: Yeah, And this robot as a service, I feel like, has been kind of an up-and-coming industry here over the last couple of years and i think means maybe different things to different people curtis but how does robot as a service work and how does if i'm a grower and i decide i wanted to do business with verdant how do i actually go about implementing your technology on my operation
1: so uh, for a farmer that doesn't know me already uh, they would just go to our website so and find. Our email address on there, which is info at verdantrobotics.com, and just reach out and uh, contact with me, and uh, we can get them set up. So we're like a custom sprayer um, that they may already deal with. And so they give us a call. We show up on the farm. We deploy our robots and our machine learning technology, and we perform the service.
0: And I had read the release that comes out today. And it's more than just the service, correct? There's additional levels of value that are provided.
1: So there is additional value that we do provide. So we're garnering, you know, 4K images of the the crop and we're making a digital twin. So if a farmer is interested in crop stand or weed density maps, we can absolutely provide that. In the future, we'll be able to tell them something about the health of their crop through things like NDVI. Um, But this is at a more specific level than anybody's ever seen.
2: So the announcement today, Curtis, was that you raised about $46.5 million dollars to help reduce ag chemicals and improve farm profits. What does this latest round in capital really help you do from a grower perspective? How are they going to see these dollars being implemented?
1: Yeah, Verdant going to use this money to rapidly scale our advanced robotic technology and accelerate broad adoption of our regenerative and precision ag solutions. That's great. So
0: what makes you the most excited for Verdict going forward?
1: What makes me the most excited is actually being a part of a technology revolution. Computer vision is going to fundamentally change agriculture, and we're just at the tip of the iceberg. So things like doing weeding and using 96% less chemical materials is is just the tip of the iceberg, and there's a whole nother realm to discover new uh, growing policies and A-B testing and intercorrelating pair, just kind of the use of the big data that everybody's always talked about is going to be so exciting to me.
2: One more time for us, Curtis, I know you mentioned the website a little bit earlier on in the interview here, but where can folks go once again, if they do have more questions for you?
1: Yeah, if growers have more questions, they can go to our website. So that's www verdantrobotics.com, V-E-R-D-A-N-T, robotics.com. And our email address that they can reach me at is info at verdantrobotics.com. Well,
0: it was another fun conversation to be a part of. It's interesting to see exactly what we can do with robots and where they have their application in agriculture. Obviously, we know Self-driving tractors is a pretty obvious one, but there are all kinds of places though, I need that we can put them to
2: work. There certainly is, Tanner. I think that's going to be a big focus here for the future is robotics and how that works into the labor system.
0: Absolutely. Another Great conversation, listeners. If you have any ideas for topics or guests that you want us to interview, make sure you reach out to Agnes Daily on all social media platforms and let us know. We'd be happy to pursue those for you. Absolutely. Should
2: we let the people go? (laughs)
0: Let's let the people go.